0: Lester, the Nightfly,
1: on the Pacific Radio Network,
0: also made available on PRX, the Public Radio Exchange.
1: All Hit Radio! Lester the Nightfly.
2: Lester the Nightfly. I'm
1: Lester the Nightfly. Lester the Nightfly. I'm Lester the Nightfly. Hello Baton Rouge. Would you turn your radio down?
0: The most dangerous game by Richard Connell, Part One. ba, 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 ba.
1: Side by side On the water we walk religiously On the water we talk seriously.
0: Off there, to the right, somewhere, is a large island, said Whitney. It's rather a mystery. What island is it? Rainsford asked. The old charts call it Ship Trap Island. Whitney replied. A suggestive name, isn't it? Sailors have a curious dread of the place. I don't know why, some superstition. Rainsford, trying to peer through the dank, tropical night that was palpable as it pressed its thick, warm blackness in upon the yacht. You've got good eyes, said Whitney with a laugh, and I've seen you pick off a moose moving in the brown fall bush at 400 yards, but even you can't see four miles or so through a moonless Caribbean night. Not four yards, admitted Rainsford. Ugh, it's like moist black velvet. be light enough in Rio, promised Whitney. We should make it in a few days. I hope the Jaguar guns have come from Purdy's. We should have some good hunting up the Amazon. Great sport, hunting. The best sport in the world, agreed Rainsford. For the hunter, amended Whitney, not for the Jaguar. hunter, not a philosopher, who cares how a jaguar feels. Perhaps the jaguar does, observed Whitney. Nah, they have no understanding. Even so, I rather think they understand one thing, fear. The fear of pain and the fear of death. (laughs) Nonsense, laughed Rainsford. This hot weather is making you soft, Whitney be a realist. The world is made up of two classes, the hunters and the hunties. Luckily, you and I are hunters. Think we've passed that island yet? I can't tell in the dark. I hope so. Why? Asked Rainsford. The place has a reputation. A bad one. Cannibals? Suggested Rainsford. Hardly. Even cannibals wouldn't live in such a godforsaken place. But it's gotten into sailor lore somehow. Didn't you notice that the crew's nerves seemed a bit jumpy today? They were a bit strange now you mention it, even Captain Nielsen. Even that tough-minded old Swede who'd go up to the devil himself and ask him for a light. Those fishy blue eyes held a look I never saw there before. All I could get out of him was, the place has an evil name among seafaring men, sir. Then he said to me very gravely, don't you feel anything? As if the air about us was actually poisonous. Now you mustn't laugh when I tell you this, I did feel something like a sudden chill. There was no breeze. The sea was as flat as a plate glass window. We were drawing near the island then. What I felt was a a mental chill, a sort of sudden dread. Pure imagination, said Rainsworth. sailor can take the whole ships company with his fear maybe but sometimes I think sailors have an extra sense that tells them when they are in danger sometimes I think evil is a tangible thing with wavelengths just as sound and light have an evil place can so to speak broadcast vibrations of evil Anyhow, I'm glad we're getting out of this zone. Well, I think I'll turn in now, Rainsford. Mm, I'm not sleepy, said Rainsford. I'm going to smoke another pipe up on the afterdeck. Good night then, Rainsford. See you at breakfast. Right, good night Whitney. and ripple of the wash of the propeller. Rainsford, reclining in a steamer chair, indolently puffed on his favorite briar. The sensuous drowsiness of the night was on him. It's so dark, he thought, that I could sleep without closing my eyes. The night would be my eyelids. An abrupt sound startled him. Off to the right he heard it, and his ears in such matters could not be mistaken. Again he heard the sound and again. Somewhere off in the blackness someone had fired a gun three times. Rainsford sprang up and moved quickly to the rail mystified. He strained his eyes in the direction from which the reports had come but it was like trying to see through a blanket. He leapt up on the rail and balanced himself there to get greater elevation. His pipe striking a rope was knocked from his mouth. He lunged for it. A short, hoarse cry came from his lips as he realized he had reached too far and had lost his balance. The cry was pinched off, short, as the blood-warm waters of the Caribbean Sea dozed over his head. He struggled up to the surface and tried to cry out, but the wash from the speeding yacht slapped him in the face and the salt water in his open mouth made him gag and strangle. Desperately, he struck out with strong strokes after the receding lights of the yacht, but he stopped before he had swum 50 feet. A certain cool-headedness had come to him. It was not the first time he had been in a tight place. There was a chance that his cries could be heard by someone aboard the yacht, but that chance was slender and grew more slender as the yacht raced on. He wrestled himself out of his clothes and shouted with all his power. The yacht became faint and ever vanishing fireflies then they were blotted out entirely by the night rainsford remembered the shot they had come from the right and doggedly he swam in that direction swimming with slow deliberate strokes conserving his strength for a seemingly endless time he fought the sea he began to count his strokes he could do possibly a hundred more and then Rainsford heard a sound that came out of the darkness, a high screaming sound, the sound of an animal in an extremity of anguish and terror. He did not recognize the animal that made the sound. He did not try to. With a fresh vitality, he swam toward the sound. He heard it again. Then it was cut short by another noise. Staccato pistol shot, muttered Rainsford, swimming on. 10 minutes of determined effort brought another sound to his ears. The most welcome he had ever heard, the muttering and growling of the sea breaking on a rocky shore. He was almost on the rocks before he saw them. On a night less calm, he would have been shattered against them. With his remaining strength, he dragged himself from the swirling waters. crags appeared to jut up into the opaqueness. He forced himself upward, hand over hand. Gasping, his hands raw, he reached a flat place at the top. Dense jungle came down to the very edge of the cliffs. What perils that tangle of trees and underbrush might hold for him did not concern Rainsford just then. All he knew was that he was safe from his enemy the sea, and that utter weariness was on him, he flung himself down at the jungle edge and tumbled headlong into the deepest sleep of his life.